Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender Show. Joining me now is the former mayor, former governor of North Carolina, former mayor of Charlotte, I should say, and a U.S. Senate candidate here now this year, and a former talk show host here at WBT. Pat McCrory, how are you? Good. I almost came into the studio today because I'm in Charlotte, and I got caught up at the Laurel Market getting a sandwich. So I said, what's quicker? Can I get there in time? But I figured last time I went there, you know, you, you had to about kick me out of the studio. So yeah. plus management was complaining again about me. So Right. But you did get a chair. I did get your chair. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting in the chair right now as we speak. I need some oil on the wheels. Can you get me some of that? Can you oh, well, you'll have to... get your management team to help fix the chair now? Well, that's not on premises anymore. And if you had let me take the chair to my house, as was my intent, I probably would have fixed it. But um, no, maybe you'll have to boost some oil off the side of a road and then bring it into the studio. And then maybe we can get it oiled up for you. Actually, we just took a picture for our Christmas card and I got the chair (laughs) in the Christmas card. Why does that not surprise me? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, first off, uh, do you have any reaction to? Did you hear about the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict? Do you have any reaction I just to that? Did. Yeah. I, I agree completely with the verdict, but I I also think politicians ought to stay out of the judicial uh, branch of government and not respond. I learned this as mayor and as a city councilman. It's just it's not right for politicians to interfere with uh, court trials before, during, or after. Um, especially with regard to how local government and local police have to respond to it. And the other point I'll make, I think the signal that this sense is is troubling, not that he's innocent, because he is innocent. The dilemma I'm having is when you have police that aren't enforcing the law during riots and putting people in jail who are actually doing the rioting and the burning and the destruction of <clears throat> private property, then you have others start doing the job that the police should have been doing all along. And the police aren't doing the job because they're scared to now because of political officials who want to defund the police or put the police under a spotlight where they're allowed to take no risk whatsoever. And we're not only seeing this where this uh, shooting occurred, but we're seeing it in Charlotte. We're seeing it in Greensboro. We're seeing it in Raleigh. Uh, where the police are afraid to respond and take aggressive action when they need to do it, when people are being hurt or when the police are being attacked or when buildings are being set on fire. And to me, that's the bigger issue of this trial that that no one is talking about. Now, now, in my defense, I talked about the social contract, not just with CMS and the parents, and and, they're uh, yelling at the school officials earlier in the week, uh, but also in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case as well, like the, the 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 contract is that the government does stuff for us, uh, and we give up liberty to the government to allow for it to do so. But if the government is not going to do those things that it promised it would do, then then those rights devolve back to me, the individual. And I think that's what was at the heart of the Rittenhouse trial too: is if the government is unwilling to protect people and their and their property then people will take it upon themselves to do so because the contract is no longer uh in effect i agree with that assessment and history proves that that happens over and over again not just in the united states but in world history and uh you know i've looked back at the riots here in charlotte where i had i've had to call the national guard when i was governor 
And uh, the police were wanting to do their job, but they were they were concerned about what the response was yeah. of the at that time very liberal mayor and very liberal city council. And that was even before some of the most recent controversy. But uh, that's when I decided to call the National Guard to come into Charlotte. And most people don't realize, and right now they may need to call the National Guard with these two highly publicized trials. The National Guard is there to protect the buildings so the police can leave that responsibility and go arrest the people that are causing destruction and put them in jail and take them off the street. Because usually the people causing destruction is about... 10% 10% of them, and their goal is to cause destruction and then run in, run out, and get other people to follow them. It's, a, it's, um, it's the art of war. Mm. It's the art of war. Read the book. That's what Antifa does is the art of war. They hit and they run, and they try to get the emotions of others to follow them. Yeah. And then they have the powerful police who are sitting there going, we can't do a thing. We've got to just take this abuse. We had it here in Charlotte. In fact, we have a current sitting councilman, city councilman, who was arrested mm-hmm. for not obeying the police, and he was, I think, since reelected. So, and it's one of the sad uh, things. And I remember, you know, when you were mayor, um, watching all of the efforts, all of the work, the time and treasure that was uh, devoted to building Charlotte, and the, specifically the the urban core. The downtown, sorry, uptown area, right? And to getting it uh, right. to, to getting it to where it is now. And honestly, like when my wife and I came back to Charlotte, we thought about living in in around Center City somewhere, renting uh, an apartment someplace. And we said after last year, we said no, we're not going to live in an, in the city. Why would we? We'd be crazy. So what? <laughs> so I can have somebody lighting a car on fire in front of my apartment building, and then I got to try to flee the building out into the street. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in the situation. And yet, when I was when I was mayor, and by the way, when I was elected mayor, we were averaging over 125 murders a year. We took it down to less than 40. I don't have the exact names, but we did that because we targeted the top criminals in Charlotte and arrested them and put them through prosecution. Now we're doing neither. We're neither arresting them or putting them through prosecution. And what we often did during the riots or during the protest, when I was both mayor and city council. Um, you know, if they jaywalked, if the protesters jaywalked, we put them in jail. If they got off the sidewalk, we didn't let them get in the street. So was... the minute you bend, they will then move the goal line and make you bend more. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, the police are retreating and worried for their own safety. And that's what's happened not just in Charlotte, but that's happened in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland. And believe me, these art of war tactics by Antifa um, are very, very uh, aggressive assertive they take advantage of the media and they take advantage of the political correctness that's um, taken over our society especially with regards to public safety well luckily uh, all that was destroyed can be rebuilt now with the uh, the build back better right we got all the money now to <laughs> we're gonna uh, yeah. well we've got so first off uh, the infrastructure bill if you were in the Senate would you have voted for that no I would not have even though as you know, Based on my experience as governor and mayor, I'm a very strong infrastructure guy. I always used to say I was an Eisenhower infrastructure Republican. Mm-hmm. But the problem is so much of the infrastructure that the federal government's taking over is, first of all, the responsibility of state and local government. And second, a lot of it's the responsibility of the private sector. And it's almost as though we have a takeover from the federal government of infrastructure in which really two-thirds of the infrastructure is, is the responsibility of state, local, 
or the private sector, not the federal government. And it's the federal government that's broke. The other reason I would have voted against it is because um, the inflation at this point in time. We've got too much money out of government coming into the system at this point in time. We had all this free money for the last year and a half with COVID, which caused labor issues, caused inflation. And then the third thing is we got an energy situation where because we don't have access to energy like we used to, the energy prices are going up, and that has an impact on everything because everything that we touched is oil-based. Mm-hmm. So um, I think this just compounds. And I pray that uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia holds on and is not the swing vote um, for this bill, for the even more serious bill, which it, it, is just it, it is. Uh, what they call social infrastructure, which right. is the most Orwellian phrase. Uh, <laughs> that we've come upon to for a long time since we changed the name of illegal immigrant. Yeah. So I, it is, um, it is kind of interesting how, uh, the, the Biden administration has been warned and for Larry Summers told them, Hey, if you do this, uh, uh, the, the infrastructure spending, you, you keep spending, it's going to be inflationary. And now all of a sudden Summers has turned around and said, well, you know what? You could do this. And, uh, they're going to reintroduce, they're going to reintroduce the, uh, I guess the salt, uh, so the wealthy folks in California and the uh, in New York that they're going to get their big tax breaks uh, as well uh, because these are you know by and large left wing donors and such. So they they have found tax cuts that they do like. I will. I, I mean, we we should recognize well, that. That was all going back to the Trump administration, right? Uh, we're so called penalizing these high tax states, and the wealthy uh, were allowed to write off the high tax property taxes. And income taxes of other New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, and now they're basically changing the Trump rules. And Trump was right with that regard, uh, but now they're reversing that, and so the write-offs are going to be a major cost. Here we're increasing spending, and yet we're giving more tax breaks to even the wealthy mm-hmm. in states like California, New York. Of course, that's where the Democratic power is, so they're going to get it. I mean, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi. Right there in San Francisco. She was president for a few uh, uh, moments today. You know that, right? The Kamala Harris when uh, President I just Biden. Read that. I, thank yeah. God I didn't know it during the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but well, you know, listen, the Biden Harris administration is just—it's incompetent. Um, and and what they're doing. My biggest concern is what they're doing to the next generation. I'm worried for the next generation. The people in their teens right now, or even in their twenties, who. Uh, I'm worried, will they ever be able to buy a house? Mm-hmm. You know, right now my house has gone up in value 25%, and I feel good about myself. But what about the 20, 20-year-olds 20 now? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the 1980s when the interest rates were 14%, 15 and 16%. Right. And it just shut out people out of private home ownership. And, uh, and now the energy prices, I filled up my tank yesterday. It was $49, and, you know, six months ago it was 32 Yeah. Yeah, mind. I've got a Mitsubishi Outlander, and it took fifty dollars to fill it up the other day. It's you just, can't hide money. It's, you I know it. Hide money. I, you know, those I mean, are expensive cars. I try by taking chairs off of sidewalks and you know, uh, repurposing I, you know, them. That but that sounds like someone who came in from Asheville. <laughs> That's the kind of Asheville car. David from Asheville had a car just like that. I don't think so. That's probably it's, it's probably too uh, expensive a vehicle for Dave. Uh, Pat McCrory. I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Anyway, it's uh, this inflation is the most serious issue this nation will be facing since the uh, 70s. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll have you back on. We'll talk about it, and uh, we'll compare our uh, miles per gallon.
So you uh, got it. All right. You got it. All right. Former uh, governor, former mayor, Pat McCrory, U.S. Senate candidate for North Carolina, also former radio host. Boomer Von Cannon. Yes, sir. Also former radio host. Yes, right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Current radio host. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. Well, I mean, you you probably, you know, have you you actually done the numbers? You probably are on air more than any other person. Like, you're on air like four times an hour. That's scary. For for like, what's your shift? Like 13, 14 hours? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of time added together. What else is there to do? Right. You know, come on. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not going to solve the world's problems or no. That's that's what or I do. Balance a bank account, yeah. but I can do this. Right. Right. Now, I'm solving. Try to. Yeah, yeah. I'm solving the world's problems. <laughs> there you go. You're the you, man. You right. You just keep us all uh, out of the traffic jam. <laughs> all right. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. So far, I'm not aware of any rioting in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse acquitted on all counts today in the uh, trial. The ACLU just put out a statement on Twitter. Despite Kyle Rittenhouse's conscious decision to travel across state lines and in... Is that something the ACLU objects to? The crime of traveling across state lines? To travel across state lines and injure one person and take the lives of two people protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake by police, he was not held responsible for his actions. Unfortunately, this is not surprising. That's the ACLU. That's... You guys are just a clown organization now. That's amazing. Um, So... You heard about uh, the House Minority Leader up in D.C., Kevin McCarthy. He did, like, it's not technically a filibuster, right? But it would be totally a filibuster if he was wearing pink tennis shoes or if um, he was a Democrat. But because he's ne- he, he was neither wearing uh, the shoes nor is he a Democrat, uh, he was just annoying to the media and to Democrats uh, because He went up and spoke for over eight and a half hours so the House could not vote on its Build Back Better bill, the BBBB. The CBO score was supposed on the bill was supposed to have come out today. But unfortunately for Democrats, the CBO, as Allah Pundit at Hot Air points out, it's one of the rare federal agencies that finishes ahead of schedule. And so they put out the CBO score um, a day before. So you can see how this kind of lines up like, and this is just a complete guess on my part, but seems to me like McCarthy was angling to keep the bill from getting passed before the CBO score could be put out. That was the point because the Democrats were going to try to game the system, get the bill through, through reconciliation, do this process. So this way they didn't have to wait on the CBO score They could just ram it through before they knew. Democratic moderates are willing to vote for the Build Back Better package, despite the fact that it's going nowhere in the Senate. This was part of their deal that they cut with the progressives. The progressives backed the infrastructure bill, the roads and bridges bill, 
because that's what the moderates and the centrists wanted. Now it's time for the centrists to return the favor, but the deal was it has to it has to be paid for. And that's why Biden and the progressives are running around saying it's all paid for, it's zero dollars, and that's not true. The CBO came out and said, not true, it's actually going to cost a bunch of money somewhere in the neighborhood of $400 billion over the next 10 years. So, fight now moves to the Senate. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender Show. Joining me now is Michael Watley. He is the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party. Welcome back to the program, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. It is good to be with you. Yeah, so um, news of the day. feel like I should ask you because there is a political connection here. Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict uh, came down. He's acquitted on all counts. Um, and what I keep coming back to is the importance of local elections. Like, you got a local DA that ran that prosecution. My opinion is that he never should have been charged, but this is the importance of local elections and people getting involved in their local elections. Is that enough of a tee-up for you? <laughs> I, think it's a per- I think it's a perfect tee-up, and I think, you know, when we look at, you know, city councils and we look at uh, county commissions, and, and particularly during this cycle, we look at... Uh, uh, the boards of education, you know, uh, we, we have never seen as much intensity around education issues as we have seen uh, this year, just basically because of, uh, you know, the critical race theory in the classroom, the wokeism that we're seeing in public schools. Uh, and a lot of that, frankly, the only reason we know about it is because uh, kids were not in schools. They had to stay at home uh, and, and parents were getting a firsthand exposure to what their kids were being fed in schools. And rightfully, uh, we've, we've got an issue right now uh, where you're going to either side with parents and kids first or you're going to side with the teachers' unions first. So um, we, we push very hard uh, in, in all of our counties across the state uh, to get people involved in those city council, county commission, and, and uh, school board elections. Is, is there a problem getting up? There's an old line that uh, a former, he was a Democrat, he told me years ago, though, when he made a jump from Charlotte City Council to school board, and his daughter told him, you know, Dad, some people like city council members, but nobody likes school board members. So how do you, so how do you, um, how do you entice people to take on that line of work? Well, I, I really think it comes down to, do you want to have a direct voice in, in what your kids are being taught in school? Um, you know, that we, we had a candidate up in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, who, who literally said on a campaign stump that parents should have no input into their children's education. Uh, that, that's a pretty fundamental divide between Republicans and Democrats. Um, and I think that, that you know, any time uh, you have concerns with any part of government, you know, the answer can be go run because you, you'll be better at it than some bureaucrat. Yeah. Um, speaking of bureaucrats, uh, I think the Democrats are wanting to hire, uh, I think it's, uh, I don't even know how many actually, IRS agents, like hundreds more IRS agents, maybe thousands. Uh, and this is all part of their idea to, uh, to cover up the fact that they want to give their friends in New York and California tax breaks, tax cuts on their state and local tax deductions. So hire a bunch more IRS agents to go shake down more people. And they claim this is going to be targeting the wealthy, 
I suspect, though, that they'll probably end up targeting a bunch of people that are not wealthy in order to get more money for the Treasury as part of their uh, build back better bill or uh, human infrastructure, I guess. So we got two different bills. First off, is there really any chance that this build back better thing is actually going to get through the Senate, do you think? Well, we certainly hope not. You know, and I think that if you want to look at the fundamental difference between Republicans and the Republican agenda and Democrats and the Democratic agenda, look no further than this week in politics, right? Because on the Democratic side of the aisle, we've got the Build Back Better bill that is, is gone through the House now on, on purely partisan lines, uh, is an absolute, the, the biggest tax and spend bill in the history of Congress. Uh, and completely irresponsible on every front versus the budget that was passed in North Carolina with the Republican House and Senate then signed by the governor, uh, which is one of the best bills for North Carolina that we've ever seen. Uh, you know, and you, you have tax cuts versus tax raising. You have education investments. You have uh, infrastructure investments that are that are happening in the North Carolina bill. But this is a, a really monumental uh exercise here i mean they had 110 votes uh on the on the house side you know for this to go through in a bipartisan manner down here and yet you look at washington where it is biden pelosi and schumer who feel like they've got lbj type majorities you know the 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 house they have a five seat majority out of 435 seats and you've got the senate as an exact tie they do not have a mandate to go as far left with this progressive agenda as they think they do uh, and, you know, honestly, I think Nancy Pelosi certified herself as a lame duck speaker today uh, when she gaveled through uh, that that monstrosity of a bill. Yeah. Um, do you think so? Uh, you, you mentioned the LBJ thing. You, I'm sure you're aware, right? The Joe Biden, the meeting with the historians, they told him he could be like FDR or something. I think Kevin McCarthy referenced it last night in his filibuster, not a filibuster. Uh, what is it? What do they call it? The uh, the new the, the the golden minute or something or the the magic minute that he used last night for eight and a half hours. Um, so do you, do you think that that like that that is the animating thing for the Biden administration and the Democrats in general at this point? Yeah, I do. You know, and 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 they just have uh, that radical agenda, and you know, AOC and and the squad have really been drivers in terms of the policies that they've, they've been putting together, but uh, they have gone way outside where the American people are, you know. Um, and I think when you speak to Kevin McCarthy, I can't wait to see him as a speaker, uh, being able to talk for eight and a half hours straight about how bad <laughs> this bill is. That, that's, talk about speaking. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 it really fundamentally comes down to, you know, do you want to, by any means possible, raise and, and borrow money to be spending on a liberal wish list that's going to have the benefits to California and New York and Illinois at the expense of the rest of the country. And that's clearly uh, the path that they're going down uh, on, on the far left over there. And, you know, in the Senate, um, you know, that, that fortunately we are in a position uh, where you've got a couple uh, rational, reasonable Democrats, Kristen Sinema and, uh, and Joe Manchin, who are negotiating with Schumer, on what this bill is going to look like. But, man, you talk about elections having consequences. And, you know, we here in North Carolina are really in a very unique position um, because uh, we, we're going to be able to take two, maybe even three seats in Congress uh, with the maps that, that, that we've seen here. Uh, we've got to make sure that we hold the Senate. Um, but this is going to be ground zero 
for the entire congressional and Senate race maps next year. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm really glad uh, that we are we are moving forward in a unified and disciplined way at this point. So and I wonder if Joe Biden's solution for the rising gas prices is to go attack the uh, oil and gas industry and to ask foreign countries to make uh, produce more oil, send it to us. Um, what is the answer for inflation? Who does he go to for that? Who does he <laughs> who should he target for the inflation? Well, and you talk about self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the people forget that he's been in office for less than a year at this point. Um, and, and you know, the market signals that he sent as soon as he became president was shutting off leases offshore, was shutting off the Keystone XL pipeline, was shutting off leases onshore, uh, and telling the entire world we're going to shut down our oil and gas uh, producing sector here in, in the United States. That's, that's what's driving, you know, those gas prices. And it is ludicrous for him to go to OPEC and go to Russia and ask them to produce more oil. We, we do not need to be spending billions of dollars and sending it overseas to companies that build uh, indoor uh, ski slopes or who harbor terrorists and fund them or, you know, who are geopolitical rivals like, like Russia are. We need to be investing in American jobs and American energy here and inflation you know, that, that, again, is just a completely self-inflicted uh, issue uh, that, that this administration has brought on. And, you know, the, the, every economist, even uh, President Obama's economists, has said that the spending levels are what's fueling inflation. And then they passed this bill today just to find a gas can to pour it on that fire. Yeah. Indoor ski slope? Did you say it, what, in, who's building the indoor ski slope? They, they already have one in Qatar. Oh, my so gosh, it, really? Uh, it, it is a thing in the <laughs> desert, in the Middle East, bought with American oil money. Or oh, my money. God. That, well, I mean, they don't have any skiing there, I'm, I'm sure. So, I mean, it, I guess <laughs> it would have to be indoors. Uh, I guess that does make some bit of sense. I'm not happy about it, though. Michael Watley, the uh, chairman of the North Carolina GOP. Thanks so much for your time, sir. Uh, have a great weekend. Happy Absolutely. Thanksgiving. Thanks, Pete. Take care. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, a reminder that uh, the Charlotte Convention Center hosting the Charlotte Auto Show through the rest of the weekend, today through 9 p.m., tomorrow through 9 p.m., and then Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, go down, check it out. It is like uh, it is super impressive. I was down there yesterday. It was fantastic. Um, also, Hancock's Bikes for Kids, it's back for 2021, Tuesday, December 7th. From 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., it's going to be at Bank of America Stadium, WBT, the Carolina Panthers, and uh, WSOC-TV all going to be out there. Um, all going to be out there uh, collecting the bikes for local kids. Uh, we, you know, Hancock's been uh, doing this for like three decades. So consider getting your hands on a bike early this year and avoid the shopping crunch, the supply chain issues and such. And uh, come on down on the 7th. Uh, do, 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 oh, this was interesting. Politico, the playbook. They put out this uh, every day. Mask on, mask off. Jonathan Carl from, uh, I think he's with ABC News, and he has a book out. And he had a big book party at, uh, I, I don't remember whose house it was at, but um, Anthony Fauci was there. Oh, sorry. It was at Cafe Milano. As gawkers tried to snap pictures of Anthony Fauci indoors 
not wearing a mask. America's doc put it on and would take it off depending on whom he was around. Sally Quinn, who has known, has known Fauci since his days as a young doctor at the NIH, when he inspired a love interest in one of her erotic novels, asked him why he... Isn't that na- like nasty? Isn't that, sorry, I, look, I specifically did not read this in the first hour because people eat lunch in the 12 o'clock hour, and I did not want to cause any problems. But she asked him why he was at a party with a mask in his hand and not on his face, and he said, You seem pretty ambivalent about your mask. Because no one else was wearing one. He said, I just decided if anyone came up that I didn't know, I would put my mask on. That's what he said. So that's what he's basing his his mask wearing on. If I know you or not. Do I know you? Oh, I know you. All right, mask off. Oh, I don't know you. Mask on. I missed that. Was it what W was that? Was that a W? Quinn added that the paparazzi were surrounding Fauci trying to get the gotcha moment of the COVID czar without a mask on. Guests had to show proof of vaccination to enter the party. She says he was being safe. He knew everybody was vaccinated. Do you, though? Do you really? Um, She says if somebody we knew, if it was someone we knew, he would trust them. And if it was someone else, he didn't. Another guest observed Fauci's mask on, mask off dance, but said that the mask was firmly on when he came to the rescue of a guest who collapsed. He saved a life, which, isn't that just his way? That was in Politico's playbook today. Also, I cannot believe I'm relying on Inside Edition to give me this story, but there you go where the news is. According to Inside Edition, some stores have been coming up with some creative ways to address shortages they've been putting fake food out to hide empty shelves multiple stores have taken to filling up their shelves with items that are not in much demand this time of year like camping gear so like the video shows walmart i think it was and they've got like an entire aisle of camp chairs that are open and they got them just lined up on all of the shelves so it looks like they're full but it's just like 30 camp chairs That's it. Whereas normally they would be, you know, packed into the sleeve and stored all compact-like. Others are putting fake bottles. You you ever seen these things? They're like big Coca-Cola bottles, and you put your coins in them, you know? Some store lined those things up. Uh, What else? Some stores are filling shelves with large out-of-season items. They call them decoys. One store went so far as to cover the shelves with a sheet that had a photo of fully stocked shelves printed on it. So they're like graphics. They're, they're putting like like the car wraps. They're putting graphics over the shelves so it looks like there's stuff on the shelves when there's not stuff on the shelves, which I don't know. It's just worse. Now, they got a, they got a, uh, a shopping expert. Uh, such a thing exists. Phil Lempert, who says there is a method to the deception. I don't know about method, but there's a reason. Empty shelves can spark panic and cause people to start hoarding. I think, actually, it's more about protecting the retailer's image and reputation. That's what I think. I think they don't want to be perceived as not having stuff, and then people stop shopping there. But what do I know? Just a radio host. 
That is a wrap for the show today. Uh, Brett Winterville coming up next. He'll keep you posted on all of the rioting after the uh, Rittenhouse verdict, I'm sure. And uh, have a great weekend. I'll talk with you on Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>